Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. You know, on yesterday's episode, I had gone through and I talked to you about how the left wing is coming up with this dictionary of right-wing dog whistles. And it's not hard to figure out why they are doing that, because they have lost the ability to debate in any public setting, because they've become intellectually lazy. See, the media has been going off and covering for the Democrats for a very long time. And as such, they haven't had to engage in any debate. And with the tech companies having gone through with heavy censorship of right-wing voices and content creators, the Democrats haven't had to engage in debate for such a long time, whereas the right-wing content creators have had to up their debate skills and going through realizing that they only have one chance to hook you in and keep you coming back for more. So they've had to go through and provide you logical, fact, and scientifically-based arguments, whereas the Democrats were going out there just issuing whatever opinion that they have and declaring that you accept it as undeniable fact. And it's all about shrinking the Ovalton window. So in case you have forgotten that clip, let me go ahead and replay the clip for you, and then we'll dive into what the Democrats are up to with this, because there is more implication than just trying to get people to ignore you. These dog whistles, like when Trump says deport all the illegals, what he's really saying is get all the um, Latinx people out of this country. When he's saying make America great again, he means make America white again. When he says let's take it back to the old days, he's saying let's take it back to the 50s where white people ruled this country. Using how, do, dog how do we know that? Term, these dog whistle words, these um, these phrases that Donald Trump uses, that Jack Posobiec uses, that Mike Cernovich uses, that the most of the alt-light and the alt-right use are terms that means something else. And there is some great dictionaries out there. I know you're not a huge fan of Jared Holt, but I'm sure he has a dictionary out there of, um, you know, right-wing terms that mean something else um, that are dog whistles. Now, while to some large extent that this is all about shrinking that Ovalton window, what is the range of acceptable speech? And getting that range of acceptable speech down to just only complete agreement with Democrats and left-wing talking points is acceptable and any disagreements whatsoever with that is outside of that range of acceptable speech, there is a more insidious plan here. And it's not just about being able to justify going out and committing acts of violence against you. I mean, God forbid people actually take what you say at your word as far as what the words are actually meaning and, you know, actually going through and taking a look at what your actual actions are. I mean, them going off and saying that talking about illegal immigration, oh, no, it's not about enforcing the law and, you know, having the law apply equally to everyone. No, 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 it's about removing all the Latinos from society. You know, it's all about white supremacy. Well, part of that is about being able to censor right-wing content. You know, as long as they can keep going off and saying that, oh, these talking points, they don't mean what they what you think they mean. They actually mean this, right? Then they can go off and get that to be accepted throughout society if they push it far enough, often enough. And then what they can do is they can go to all of these platforms. They can go to Facebook and Twitter and go, hey, this person is issuing all these dog whistles. You know, he is engaging in racism and hate speech, and that's against your terms of service. Therefore, you must remove them from Twitter, from Facebook, or whatever platform they happen to be on, from YouTube. 
right? And they're able to go off and now say that, you know, because of the hate speech and the danger that it provides and the violation of the terms of service, they're able to go through and get you deplatformed, which then makes it harder for people to be able to find you and your content, which then goes off and makes it harder for you to be able to grow your audience. Now, why is that important? Other than just limiting the range of people who are engaging with conservative content, it's also about the money. See, if they can find a way to keep you censored online, block people from being able to find you, or just have you removed completely, then they can guarantee that you don't build up as much of an audience or enough of an audience to attract advertisers to your content, whether that be your blog, whether that be your podcast or your YouTube channel or wherever it is that you put content. And therefore, you don't get any funding. Therefore, you can't make a living getting out information or any extra money that you could then donate to conservative causes. And therefore, you are defunded. Meanwhile, they go out there and they overpromote liberal content. And through the overpromotion of liberal content, they're able to direct the flow of money to Democrats. And so, yes, while it is about being able to control the narrative and the speech, it's also about being able to control the flow of money and which side does and does not get funded. Now, what's interesting here, as we go back through uh, this video clip or this audio clip, sorry, it's the podcast, not the YouTube show. But as we go back through and we take a look at this audio clip and how he says, oh, make America great again is about, you know, uh, white supremacy. Oh, really? Because Fox News uh, just posted an article uh, yesterday. You know, Trump administration designates Russian white supremacist group as a terrorist organization. Wait, I thought Trump and the right were promoting white supremacy. You know, the article goes on to say, you know, the Trump administration announced Monday they are taking an unprecedented step of designating a white supremacist group as a terrorist organization. You know, that is pretty harsh. That is, I mean, terrorist organization uh, has a very specific definition. And so it's interesting because not only does this debunk the claim that Trump is somehow a white supremacist supporting white nationalists or promoting white nationalist views, but it also goes off and debunks the left's prior claim about Russia and how Trump, you know, uh, was in bed with Russia or colluded with Russia and all that. Because here it is, it's a Russian white supremacist group, and they're being labeled as a terrorist organization. The group uh, that says uh, that they say trains neo-Nazis and tries to rally Americans and Europeans to push a white supremacist agenda. Ooh. So this targets Russia, white supremacists, and neo-Nazis to try and stop the spread of their white supremacist views. How interesting. I thought they were saying the whole Trump administration and Make America Great Again was all about pushing white supremacy, you know, and white dominance. Now, see, their talking points and their arguments continually get debunked time and again. You know, it goes on to say, Since 2015, the world has seen a surge in white supremacist terrorism, Uh, the ambassador Nathan Sells says of the State Department of Counterterrorism. You know, last month was the first anniversary of the horrific terrorist attack on two mosques in 
uh, Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, the United States is not immune to this threat. We've seen attacks targeting people because of their race or religion in places like Pittsburgh, Poway, uh, and El Paso. Sell said that combating the threat of white supremacist terror is a top priority for this administration and said they are taking divisive action to do so. President Trump has been accused by Democrats of not taking strong enough stance against domestic white supremacists, though he has repeatedly denounced them. So this goes on the whole issue here where the Democrats are going out there and they try to not engage in what the conversation is, but to go off and project on to their political opponents the own biases and racisms of the left. And then they go off and debate what they want to think you mean rather than what you actually say. It's the straw man approach. And yet, when we go through and take a look at it, the actions of the right wing, the actions of President Trump debunks the narrative that they are trying to go out there and push. And this happens all the time. But the left keeps pushing on as if there is no example that debunks their narrative. And they go off and they cut these deceptive uh, video clips where they edit out a lot of context and information in order to try and claim that Trump or Republicans are saying the exact opposite of what they actually say. But let's actually take a look at this, how the left is projecting their own racism and biases onto the right. So they go off and say that, you know, when the right wing talks about illegal immigrants, we're talking about Hispanics. No, we're not. No, we're not. Illegal immigrants is not a race. It's an action. And guess what? While there are Hispanics that are in the country illegally, there are also Asians, blacks, and white Europeans in the country illegally. And the right wing doesn't distinguish illegal immigrants and the desire to deport illegal immigrants based off of race. We say, hey, if you came to this country illegally, or hey, if you overstayed your visa and you are now in the country illegally, you must get out. We don't care about your race. We don't care about your gender. We don't care about any of that idea, you know, identity politics. We don't care about any of that. But the left goes on and says, well, you're talking about Hispanics. As if they believe that only Hispanics can be illegal immigrants, that only Hispanics are the ones crossing the border illegally, right? They're projecting their own racism and biases onto their political opponents. But again, it's all about being able to justify censoring conservative content and being able to block the flow of money to conservatives so that Democrats are the only ones who are funded, the only ones who have a marketing budget, and the only ones whose content you can find online without them having to worry about being challenged with actual facts and information. All right, now here's another story that I had brought to you a few days ago, or last week, uh, where Trump had fired the inspector general that put moved along uh, the report about the Ukraine call that led to the impeachment. Now remember, this IG broke protocol. They took a, a complaint that did not fit into whistleblower category because he took a complaint whereby the person making a complaint is doing so based off of a rumor, 
with never actually witnessing anything and never actually seeing evidence to anything. And the inspector general just based off of, hey, I heard a rumor of this, decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to claim this to be credible. And even though the rules say that there must be some direct knowledge of the event, I'm just going to ignore that and change the rule. And I'm going to push this off to Congress. And then, wow, the impeachment. So this inspector general abused his position and went through to try and change the rules in order to try and attack Trump. Why? Because he is an ideologue. He is an activist within the government. So Trump had gone out there and he had fired the inspector general, you know, calling him a total disgrace, which would be a pretty accurate statement. Now, during his Saturday coronavirus press briefing, President Donald Trump was asked to defend his firing of Intelligence Community Inspector General Michael Atkinson. Uh, Trump called Atkinson, whom he appointed, terrible and a total disgrace. Uh, Trump had fired Atkinson uh, Friday evening, writing in a letter to Congress that he no longer had confidence in Atkinson as an inspector general. Uh, As is the case with regards to other positions where I, as president, have power of appointment, it is vital that I have the fullest confidence in the uh, the appointees serving as inspector general. Trump wrote, um, as previously reported by the Daily Wire, this is no longer the case with regards to this inspector general. On Saturday, Trump defended his decisions to the press, saying Atkinson did a terrible job uh, when he turned over a whistleblower complaint to Congress that led Democrats uh, impeaching the president. Uh, he took a okay. He took a fake report and brought it to Congress. Trump said, referring to the fact that the whistleblower had no direct knowledge of what he was complaining about and was merely reporting rumors. Now, if you remember, once uh, that was moved on uh, to the House of Representatives. Uh, the Democrats in the House of Representatives were never able to find a single witness to back up the complaint uh, of the so-called whistleblower. Never once did the Democrats ever find anything to support the whistleblower complaint. And it's dishonest to actually be calling it uh, the whistleblower complaint. But in any event, you know, they tried to drum up people. None of them witnessed anything, but they said they heard rumors. And then they talked about how they felt about, you know, the rumors, if the rumors were true. And they never once found any evidence or any documents to support any of the accusations made. Now, the Democrats, not caring about actual facts or data or the complete lack of witness, thought they could try this purely on emotion. And then it got to the Senate, and the Senate looked at it and goes, hey, you know what, you you guys have absolutely nothing here. There's nothing to back up any of your claims. And so the impeachment was ended and tossed out. Well, now the former Intel Community Inspector General, according to the right scoop, releases a statement on his firing suggesting it was politically motivated. So here's what's going on. He's trying to spark another impeachment attempt by the Democrats by going off and first moving along a fake report that doesn't meet any of the guidelines for a whistleblower complaint. Uh, He didn't do anything to try and verify any of the information in the complaint. 
nor did he go off to try and find anybody who actually witnessed anything in the complaint and still moved it on, right? Now that he's fired, he's trying to say, oh, well, it was politically motivated. Therefore, Trump is abusing his power. Therefore, let's start up the impeachment attempt again. So uh, the former Inspector General, Michael Atkinson, released a statement on his firing by Trump, suggesting it was politically motivated. You know, the former Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, okay, I'm trying to go through and see uh, what the actual statement, you know, was here. All right, and so the Inspector General had come out saying, it is hard not to think that the present loss of confidence in me derives from my having faithfully discharged my legal obligations as an independent and impartial Inspector General and from my commitment to continue to do so. Atkinson wrote, no, it was your failure to actually do your job. It was you going off and trying to change the rules to allow a complaint that had no factual basis to it, no witnesses, no evidence, and you changing the rules in order for you to be able to move that along. I mean, you're a complete and total disgrace. And we see this all the time with a bunch of activists in the government. Now, whether they're appointed by Trump and they have ulterior motives or, you know, they have been there for a long time, this is generally what goes on, is that they abuse their position because they want to be seen as heroes of the left. So they use their position, they change the rules, or they go off to try and leak selective information out of context in order to try and attack and damage President Trump. In this particular case, he tried to go off and initiate a process to get Trump removed from office. And based on what? Based on what? Because he had a phone call with Ukraine where they talked about a lot of stuff. They talked about corruption in general and then brought up things that were being reported about the Democrats and talking about, hey, you know, maybe we should try and find out whether there's any truth uh, to this. Hey, You know, we hear a lot about what Joe Biden did. I mean, here it is. They're talking about investigating Joe Biden a little bit. I mean, it's not, you know, specifically Joe Biden, but, you know, it's about investigating corruption in general. And then, as an example, brings up Joe Biden, who, by the way, was on video confessing to what looks to be a crime. You know, the exact crime that the Democrats tried to impeach the president on. And they how dare we go off and think that we could actually hold the Democrats accountable to anything. So, of course, after you know failing in his attempt and getting fired by the Trump administration, now wants to come back and whine and complain about being fired, claiming it was politically motivated. Well, then maybe you should have actually just stuck to your job stuck to the rules of your job and not tried to do a political hit job uh, in an attempt to try and remove the president with absolutely zero basis to do so. All right, so let's go ahead and move on uh, to a more recent story here, you know, something that is more relevant. So the issues uh, that are going on with the coronavirus, it's not all negative. There are actually some positive information that is coming out, uh, such as this article. Illegal immigration across southern border plunges because of coronavirus. Apparently, when you're in a country that 
is suffering, uh, you know, heavily from a pandemic and everyone's talking about how deadly it is, people stop wanting to come into your country. Go figure. You know, that along with the border wall, you know, and what we are seeing here by border patrol agents is that they haven't seen uh, border uh, crossings this low since just shortly after 9-11 when we were all about border security and controlling who comes into the country. You know, and they go through and they talk about this in terms of numbers. You know, uh, to put it into perspective, February's border uh, officials apprehended 30,000 illegal aliens. You know, uh, whereas May of last year apprehended a whopping 132,000 illegal immigrants. And then they go off and talk about how in March they encountered about only 79 people a day, right? Which leads to only 2,500 apprehensions. So we dropped, you know, from 30,000 down to 2,500. That is quite a drop. You know, that is quite a drop. And no wonder the uh, Democrats are out there saying, no, 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 we don't need to close our borders. We don't need to close our borders. And of course they don't, because this is a census year. This is the time that is most important to stuff and pack as much population into your state as possible, whether it's by hook or crook, right? Whether it's, you know, legitimate or illegitimate. They want to go off. That way they can increase their representation in the House of Representatives for their state and increase their electoral votes so that they can better influence the outcome of the presidential election. So by going through and, you know, keeping the borders closed and, you know, the whole coronavirus issue, we have pretty much effectively enforced our borders. This is where we want to be. now. After this crisis is over, it will be important to be able to keep these crossings down to this level because this would be a manageable level in which we would be able to prevent, you know, pretty much 90 some percent of illegal immigration into the United States. So hopefully, you know, we're able to keep this up and keep it plummeted. But again, you know, we already know what's going to happen. The next time a Democrat gets into office, they're going to promote open borders and people are going to come through and it's going to take years into the next Republican administration to undo that damage. And this is always the case. Republicans spend most of their time in office in the White House trying to undo the damage of the prior Democrat administration. You know, and we just get around to you know getting less than half of the damage of the Democrats undone and repealed before the two terms are up and another Democrat takes office. I mean, it is a vicious cycle. You know, I mean, the country would have collapsed long ago under Democrats if there wasn't some intervening Republicans out there being able to undo and roll back some of the damage by the Democrats. But guess what? There are other things that are going on as well, You know, such as this. McConnell push ahead with judicial nominations amid coronavirus presidential election. And so one of the things uh, that is being missed and no one is uh, really covering is that uh, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, and Donald Trump are pushing ahead with an aggressive effort to get more federal judges confirmed amid a global coronavirus pandemic uh, as they grapple with the possibility that the November elections 
could wrest away Republican control of the Senate. Now that is debatable. It it really is. You know, but you know, you never know what's going to happen in the election. You know, uh losing the White House or control of the Senate would be a major blow uh to efforts to install uh conservative jurists on the federal bench. And I can tell you we need federal judges uh that are legitimate, you know, uh conservatives and actually believe in the rule of law. I'm wrapping up uh, my current court case, you know, in which the judge was just horrific, you know, politically biased and absolutely corrupt. I mean, the judge actually put down lies into his court orders. Lies. Lies that were completely and totally debunked by the evidence without question. And yet he still put in uh, lies to his orders to justify his ruling. Now, if judges can go off and lie without consequence in their rulings and then, you know, being able to do so out of political motivation or just complete incompetence and corruption, you know, those lies in those court rulings, you know, to be set as precedent has wide ranging effect, which is why it's important to get actual conservative judges that make their rulings based off the law and not based off of activism, believing that they have the ability to legislate and change the laws from the bench. I'll get into the full story of that later on, in probably about a month or two. All right, so the media and the leftists are out there using their two favorite tactics, gaslighting and retconning. Now, if you're not familiar with those terms, Gaslighting is a term to describe when you go out there, you tell a lie, you tell it boldly, and you tell it often until people begin to start accepting it as truth. And when somebody comes out there and debunks your narrative, instead of addressing it and trying to prove you know, your narrative as being right, instead you try to dismiss it, downplay it, and ridicule it using more lies. And retconning is the process by which you rewrite history. You see this in movies all the time where they try to do a revival and they try to act like the previous movie didn't happen or that an event in the previous movie didn't happen, which is why you see things like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, or even uh, superhero movies when they do the reboots. They act like the past did not happen and they can completely change the story and the narrative. Well, we see that going on in the media today. Now, they're going off here, and to be able to do the retconning and gaslighting is that you see this continuing push to try and you know block airing or coverage of the coronavirus press briefings or daily press briefings, and instead they want to be able to go through and just record it, grab some clips, and that way, instead of you actually seeing what happened, Instead of you seeing the information, they can tell you a narrative and then use deceptive clips in order to try and spin a story. You know, one of the things that they will try to do is go off and provide what trips uh, are not trips, but Trump's response uh, to a reporter's question is to try and say that, oh, he's off the rails and everything, but then cut out what the reporter's question actually was, you know, or go through and do what they call fact checking. Which is interesting, you know, fact-checking from a leftist media that is proven wrong almost all the time, and for them to go out and fact-check. Now, 
while they're doing that, they're trying to also go through and give Democrats all the air coverage. You know, all these Democrat governors, all the air coverage on their coronavirus briefings, like Governor Andrew Cuomo and other governors uh, from Democratic states. And what they're trying to do is develop a narrative that Trump is not leading the way when it comes to the coronavirus response and that it's Democratic governors stepping up to the challenge in the absence of leadership from the White House. And then they go off and continue to lie about statements that Trump has made. And I'll play you some clips uh, from that here in a moment. But they're also doing retconning, where they're going back and rewriting the history of the coronavirus response, trying to claim that it was the Democrats sounding the alarm and it was the Democrats warning everybody about the coronavirus while Trump was brushing it off, not taking it seriously. When, in fact, the opposite was true. Uh, Trump was, and the Republicans were sounding the alarm and the Democrats were doing everything to undermine uh, the response and telling people to ignore the White House, ignore the Republican warning. And so let's go ahead and start getting into a couple of clips uh, that I'm going to go through and debunk what the narrative is. And these clips uh, come from a combination of, you know, Joe Biden and one of the largest, you know, liberal online content creators, the Young Turk, which by the way, the Young Turks being the largest liberal content creators, you know, it is very easy to get, you know, audience when you have the power of social media companies behind you, pushing your content, giving you, uh, your content, uh, favorability in its algorithm and partnered with you in order to try and, you know, give you massive funding uh, from YouTube and funding from all these left-wing groups you know, for marketing budget and you know, equipment and staff, but also to give you favoritism in the algorithms to over-promote and push your content beyond its actual popularity. But any event, you know, the young Turks are out there and they are constantly lying. They have no morals. They switch their stories and their narratives based off of you know, what is politically convenient at the time. And what they do is they're basically like the establishment media for the left wing, but they try to give this false perception that they are somehow different than the establishment media to make it seem like they're part of the revolution to go against corporatism. Yeah, they're they're a bunch of hypocrites. But in any event, here is one of the clips from the Young Turks pushing debunked information. Oftentimes when we have discussions about how ill-prepared the Trump administration has been in its response to COVID-19, it's usually a discussion that talks about the various bits and pieces of mistakes that he's made um, throughout his, you know, his response efforts, uh, the lead up to COVID-19. Um, we've done stories about how uh, Donald Trump disbanded the pandemic task force within his own administration. Um, and this is before COVID-19 was even a big story or something that we predicted would be an issue. Um, but those are things that he did early on. But I think it's important to have like a more comprehensive discussion about all the mistakes that Trump made. All right. Did you catch the lie there? Well, actually, there were several lies there, but did you catch it? It was the Trump disbanded the pandemic task force. No, he didn't. This as a this claim has been debunked even by left wing fact checkers such as Snopes. Right? 
Trump didn't disband them. What happened was they decided, because they were a bunch of political hacks and activists, that they were going to resign in protest. And Trump didn't replace them after they resigned. Instead, he created a new task force, right? He created a new task force specifically for this particular situation, you know, for the coronavirus. And so they pushed out that bogus narrative. Trump fired or disbanded the pandemic task force. And then they go off and try to say, Trump didn't take action. There was a lot of missteps. He didn't take it seriously. And so now we're not going to go off and try and say that everything went perfectly or according to plan. The problem wasn't the response. The problem was what we did not know about the virus and what nobody knew about the virus because it was so new and we didn't have the information. Now, let's go back and take a look here uh, as far as Trump's response. All right, so this was at a time when the World Health Organization was still telling everyone not to worry. This isn't a, a big deal. This is not human-to-human transmissible. You know, there's no need to be alarmed. That's what the experts that the left says we should be listening to were telling people back in January. But what did Trump do? Well, you can easily go to the White House website and take a look on proclamations that Trump issued on January 31st. Proclamation on suspension of entry as immigrants and non-immigrants of persons who pose a risk of transmitting 2019 novel coronavirus. All right, so let's go through here. On this proclamation, he declared a public health emergency. He went off and stated that if you're not a citizen or resident or married to someone who's a citizen or resident in the United States, you cannot come here from China. Or if you've been to China recently, right? And if you are someone who is a citizen, resident, or married to a citizen or resident, while you can come here, you will have to go through quarantine if you had visited China. Now, the quarantine, you know, is pretty standard and it works a good 95% of the time. What we did not know, though, about this particular virus is the long incubation period where you can be asymptomatic for over two weeks, right? And still be infectious during that time. So you can come here, be placed in quarantine, and you can be infected but not show any signs, and therefore they let you go. Now you'll go, well, what about the testing? There weren't tests available, not back in January, because it was still so new. And let's face it, you know, when you go off and you hear this talking about, well, Trump administration declined testing kits from those who had developed it. Well, first of all, those testing kits weren't actually perfect. You know, there was a lot of faulty uh, readings from them. But because of government bureaucracy, if he had accepted them, they would still have to go through the process of FDA approval. And they would have had a delayed, you know, well, introduction to the public in use. While the CDC was saying, hey, we got a test kit. It's already being approved. We're already ramping up, you know, the manufacturing of that. But the initial testing kits had a flaw in its creation. They were contaminated. So that's what stalled the testing kits. And, you know, the long incubation period of the coronavirus is why quarantine did not work. 
Now, we can also go through here and take a look at YouTube, right? Well, on YouTube, you can find uh, that the Coronavirus Task Force was already holding briefings, you know, uh, press briefings from the White House press room on January 31st, where they were going off and talking about the dangers and the threat of the coronavirus, the, the guidelines that they were issuing, the travel bans. And what would happen? After this, after Trump had initiated these first few steps, the very next day, Democrats were going out there slamming him for it. You know, you can go off and take a look at the Hill. The Hill on February 1st, the very next day, after Trump issues the uh, response, while the World Health Organization was still telling everybody not to worry, this isn't a panic, this won't spread human to human. You know, and Trump takes this action, and the Democrats resoundingly condemn it. You know, as the Hill reported back on February 1st, the Trump administration declared a public health emergency. Declared a public health emergency. That kind of seems like he was taking it seriously. In response to the coronavirus outbreak, which has infected nearly 10,000 people worldwide, most of the cases of the coronavirus have been contained to China, but 12 individuals in six countries have contracted the virus without ever having traveled to China. And Biden came out saying, we have right now a crisis with the coronavirus, Biden said in Iowa. This is no time for Trump's record of hysteria and xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia, and fear-mongering to lead the way instead of science. So they were going out there condemning Trump's actions. I mean, you can go back and do a Google search. Just type in the name of the outlet type in coronavirus, and then use the tools to filter it for date range. And you can see that it was the left downplaying it, calling his actions racist, xenophobia, saying that there is no threat, there is no worry. We should listen to all the experts, such as the World Health Organization, that was telling us not to worry or panic. This is not going to be a pandemic. You know, jeepers, you know, so-called experts, right? And we could see that, you know, in that reporting from February uh, first, that the Democrats, you know, were going off and demonizing Trump, calling it a public health crisis. And after Trump had declared it a public health crisis and issued these restrictions, what did the Democrats do? They went out in public, right, and told everybody to basically ignore Trump, go about your daily life. There is no need to worry about the coronavirus. Here's a clip of that. The risk to New Yorkers for coronavirus is low and our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives. There's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are hardy people. Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, mm -hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call 
for seasonal flu. There's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. So we're telling New Yorkers, go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life, and certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm going to be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people with the American people about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot, a lot more, more cases. cases. Right, right, because yeah. this is New York and you're in elevators exactly. and trains exactly. with, with everybody all the time. Now, for those of you who have not seen the actual video of that, That is a clip of all these Democrats who are now going out there and blaming Donald Trump for underreacting. Going back in February, just after Trump issued the public health crisis, you know, and the travel restrictions, going out and undermining the public health crisis information, telling people to go about your daily lives. Don't worry about it. We're prepared. Now, these same Democrats were given a well, a briefing on the coronavirus. And now they go out there and say, hey, you know, at least in Louisiana, you know, hey, you know, they didn't tell us to cancel the Mardi Gras. They didn't let us know that it was that serious. And it's like, he issued a public health crisis, travel bans. You know, he can't go off and tell you that what you need to do in your state. This is federalism. You're the governor. You should have taken action. He gave you the information. You didn't act on it. And now you're trying to blame President Trump for your refusal to act. And by the way, he was going out there telling everybody, hey, this is a, a pandemic. This is a crisis. This is a public emergency health crisis. And you went out there and told everybody to ignore that and go about their daily lives. And now that we're in the midst of this pandemic, you want to go off and try and blame President Trump? I mean, you're complete frauds out there. But of course, the media, you know, the media goes out there and covers for these Democrats, which is why the Democrats, you know, love going out there and being able to lie without consequence because they know the media will never once in any way, shape, or form call them out on their lies. They know that the media will never hold them accountable to anything. They know the media will take whatever lie they're spewing and spread it around. Know that the media is there to try and protect the Democrats and try to rewrite history to attack Republicans and conservatives. And what is amazing is that they're still Democrat voters. I mean, here it is. We've had the internet for quite some time. We've been able to fact check the left for quite some time. We've been able to prove the left are a bunch of lying hypocrites for a long time. And yet there are still people who vote for the Democrats and actually believe the narratives that the Democrats give them. It is amazing. It's like, you know, the whole saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You can try and lead the Democrats to the truth, but you can't make them accept it. You know, and so they keep going off and electing these frauds who do not care about public safety, do not care about the truth, do not care about science and data. They're only concerned about power and telling narratives that lead you to giving up your rights and freedom to give them more power. And these are the people that the left says, we should listen to, you know, Democrat politicians, Democrats who are head of state level 
you know, health services and, you know, state level FEMA like services and all of that telling everybody, hey, you know, there was nothing to worry about. Meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to prove that he is completely clueless on how to handle a pandemic or even what's going on with the pandemic. So he goes out there and tries to tie the idea that, you know, Donald Trump's, you know, border wall, you know, that wouldn't have done anything to help protect America from a pandemic, you know, because he goes out there and says, you know, the border wall, you know, these don't do anything. The the border walls don't stop viruses. And here's a clip of Joe Biden. And then I'm going to explain just how stupid the statement is. These these viruses, you know, George, they have no borders. You can't build a wall. You can't put up. You can't have you know people at, at the border trying to stop it. It's, it's not. It's beyond that capacity. Can you believe that? And this is supposed to be the front runner for the Democrat Party. So let's go ahead and break this down a little bit. Viruses, they don't know borders. They don't respect borders. They they don't you know know anything about borders. Do you not know how viruses spread? Viruses spread by people. If you have a virus contaminating a surface, guess what? The virus doesn't move from that surface until someone comes around and touches it, whether with their hands or some other object. Viruses don't move around. They don't walk. They don't fly all over the place. Viruses need to infect people And then it's through the movement of those people that the virus is able to spread. And so while you're saying the border wall, that wouldn't have stopped the virus. Yeah, it would have stopped the people who were infected by the virus. Right Now I get it. It's not just the border wall. You know, people were flying around and air travel contributed to it. But, you know, there was no one approach would solve everything. You can't just say, oh, yes. You know, if we had the border wall, that would have stopped, you know, this 100%. But it could have stopped some of it. If we shut down air travel and yet we allowed uh, the borders to remain porous and open, what would have happened? People would have flown into Mexico, you know, who were infected looking for America's great medical care and then come up uh, through Mexico across the border. So, yes, border walls is part of stopping the spread of infectious diseases. And this isn't the first time we've talked about this, whereby we talk about how there are diseases that were eradicated in the United States decades ago that we are no longer vaccinating for because there hasn't been a case in decades. And then people south of the border who you know, still become infected by these diseases come up, cross the border illegally, and start respreading uh, a particular disease or virus that we haven't dealt with in so long that we no longer have an immunity to it. You know, we've seen viruses come back because of illegal immigration, whereby if we actually secured our borders and forced people to come into the country legally, we could do all of the standard medical screening and procedures and vaccinate and go through and provide cures that we know were effective when we eradicated them and then allow them to come into the country. But the Democrats, they don't care about the truth. They're going off trying to spout out dumbass talking points because they know the media will never call them out on it. And it's rather disgusting. And it's because of the statements that the Democrats have made and all of their reaction to undermine 
any effort to have stopped the spread of the virus to the United States and how they've been acting since the virus you know, outbroke uh, in the United States, that we are glad Democrats are not in charge. I mean, people try to go off and say, Trump, you know, he's an authoritarian. Oh, Trump, he's going to grab power. When in reality, their criticism is that Trump is not got, grabbing enough power and Trump is not acting enough like an authoritarian. And then you see all these Democratic state governors going out there, going massive power grabs and trying to go off and solidify you know, power within the government, power that they have no intentions of ever coming back, you know, or ever giving back. You know, it is, you know, quite, quite disgraceful. And of course, we know why the Democrats are doing it, you know, and we'll get to uh, that in just a moment. But let's go off and talk about why, you know, why the Democrats, you know, are so dishonest, right? And so we got another clip here. Uh, from TYT, once again, pushing even more debunked fake narratives in order to try and attack President Trump. So not only was our stockpile um, in questionable shape because it had been depleted and the ventilators hadn't been maintained, but we're also now learning that the Trump administration waited till mid-March to do bulk orders of equipment that we need, including those uh, respirator masks. Also, there was the issue with Trump telling governors that they need to fend for themselves and place their own bids for medical supplies that they need in their own states. Okay, so there was a couple of bits of misinformation there. First of all, telling governors that they have to fend for themselves. No, Trump wasn't saying, hey, you're on your own. He was saying, hey, the federal government is doing everything they can to procure the needed supplies and protective equipment. But you know, do not wait for us. If you see an opportunity to be able to get the supplies quicker and faster, to be able to up your medical needs faster than what the federal government can respond to and give, then go ahead and do that. Because, you know, with the federal government, they have to, you know, actually get the orders in. But our manufacturing is over in China, right? And China, well, they might prioritize their own needs over us. You know, Trump has been going out there and warning us for a long time about the need to bring manufacturing back to the United States. And we also take a look at when it comes to manufacturing and ramping up manufacturing, the manufacturing equipment it takes to manufacture a car is quite different than the equipment needed to manufacture ventilators and these masks. So, you know, Trump is going out there saying, hey, we're trying to get a hold of what we can get a hold of. We're trying to, you know, get in the manufacturing capabilities. Do not wait for us if you have an opportunity to get a hold of it faster. But the, when the federal government does get a hold of the supplies, we're going to give them to you. Now, we're going to have to divvy it up by needs as well. So if you see a state like you know New York, which has massive need for medical equipment, and then you have another state that doesn't have nearly as much of a need, right? But you know, still, you know, needs to get their medical equipment, you know, and supplies up for later on. He's going to divvy it out based off of, you know, here's the supplies we have. Here's where it's most needed. That means he's not going to be able to get it to all 50 states at once. So, of course, it would be prudent for governors to be able to go out and do their best to try and procure the equipment themselves instead of just waiting for the federal government. And, you know, China. 
China's, you know, has, you know, all this manufacturing. Everyone's been locating manufacturing in China. And so China is taking a look at its manufacturing and, you know, they can play, you know, basically politics with it. Who do they favor? And those are the people they're going to prioritize in their manufacturing. Trump has been warning about this for a very long time. You can go back and take a look at the 2016 presidential debates between him and Hillary Clinton, and you can see Trump, you know, talking about this. And it was such a big issue that it was part of the questions during the debate. But of course, the Democrats, they don't care. They don't care. And of course, you know, in that clip, when she talks about, you know, the shortages of our medical equipment and all that, you notice how she conveniently leaves out who depleted our medical supplies and equipment in order to attack Trump? You know, who depleted them and never restocked them? It was Obama. And this has been fact-checked. And of course, it was Obama. He depleted them and never restocked them. But she leaves that bit of information out. You know, once again, Democrats, they squander everything. They create a mess. They, and then Republicans have to come up and try and figure out where the messes are and try and clean them up. And usually, the Democrats are able to get out of office before everything comes collapsing, before everything starts falling down. And the Republican who's out there trying to clean up the mess as quickly as possible gets left holding the bag. But Democrats, you know, they do this for a reason, right? They do this all for a reason. The gaslighting, the retconning, you know, the propaganda campaigns. They do all of this for a very particular reason. And if you listen to them, they'll let you know what that reason is. So here's Democrat going out there and letting you know why it is they're lying and gaslighting the nation and trying to rewrite the history of the coronavirus response. Absolutely. We see this as an opportunity to reshape uh, the way we do business and how we govern. And that shouldn't put shivers up the spines of, you know, one party or the other. I think it's an opportunity anew for both parties to come together and meet this moment and really start to think more systemically, not situationally, not just about getting out of this moment, but more sustainably and systemically to consider where we can go together this historic moment if we meet it at a national level and a state and subnational level. So answer is yes. So that was a Democrat governor in response to a question admitting that for the Democrats, they see this more as an opportunity to fundamentally change American society, to rebuild the country from the ground up. That it's not about dealing with this crisis. It's about changing everything in American culture. They do this all the time and they let you know what it is that they're doing. If you just pay attention to it, you know, it's really quite amazing. And so now this explains why the Democrats were underplaying it in the beginning, because they wanted the virus to spread. They wanted the virus to get out and infect the country because they saw it as an opportunity for massive power grabs and a fundamental transformation of American society. But seeing the death toll, they don't want to take responsibility for underplaying the, re- the, the threat that the virus poses, and they don't want to take responsibility for all the deaths that resulted from them telling everybody to ignore all the public health warnings about the coronavirus in the beginning. So now they're going back and they're retroactively rewriting history to try and impugn upon their political opponents that which they themselves created. 
That is one of the things that the Democrats are really good at, blaming their political opponents for the sins of the Democrats. It's really quite amazing. And if you go through and you take a look at the media, it's not just you know the coronavirus outbreak in which the Democrats do this. It's a whole host of things where at first they try to deny you know, the truth by saying, that's a conspiracy theory. And then when the evidence mounts to the point where they just cannot cover it up anymore, they start rolling back, rewriting the narrative, softening up uh, the people to try and give you an alternative explanation. So for instance, let's take a look at the coronavirus first, and then let's take a look at another instance. So the Washington Post came out on February 17th saying, Tom Cotton keeps repeating a coronavirus conspiracy theory that was already debunked. Senator Tom Cotton, Republican, Arizona, repeated a fringe theory suggesting that the ongoing spread of the coronavirus is connected to research in a disease-ravaged epicenter of Wuhan, China. Cotton referenced a laboratory in the city of Wuhan National Biosafety Laboratory in an interview on Fox News Sunday morning features. He said uh, the lab was near a market some scientists initially thought was a starting point for the virus spread. So, you know, saying that, hey, this may have came out of a laboratory, that's a conspiracy theory, and that was debunked. Well, let's forward ahead to April 2nd, 2020, from the same outlet, the Washington Post. How COVID-19 began, its initial origin story is shaky. And it goes on to read, U.S. intelligence officials don't think the pandemic was caused by deliberate wrongdoing. The outbreak that has now swept the world instead began with a simpler story, albeit one with tragic consequences. The prime suspect is natural transmission from bats to human, perhaps through unsanitary markets. But scientists don't rule out that an accident at a research laboratory in Wuhan might have spread a deadly bat virus that had been collected for scientific study. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just, you know, a month and a half ago, you were telling us that was a conspiracy theory. Now you're coming off and telling us, hey, that might have actually been true. But you're, but the way you're writing it is to soften the role, you know, soften the breaking of the truth and little drip, 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 so that you can try and control the narrative and go back and try and rewrite the history of how you were claiming, you know, previously claiming that this was a conspiracy theory. But now that you can't cover it up anymore, you're just dripping it out little by little, and you're trying to use phraseology to soften the blow of admitting that the conspiracy theorists were actually right. That, you know, this virus did start off, you know, in bats, and that, you know, there was some research going on on this virus in the laboratory. and you know, somehow it made the jump from, you know, bats to human, you know, whether that was because of something that they did in this laboratory or because they were directly working with the virus, you know, and it wasn't, you know, in an infected bat, but, you know, and that the virus becomes more easily transmissible, you know, uh, to humans, you know, uh, due to a leak onto a surface or, improper uh, expo- uh, protective gear that then leaves it you know, on your skin or whatever, and then you touch your mouth or your nose or your eyes, and then that's what allowed the jump to make. But 
you know, we still don't believe that it was deliberate, but, you know, we didn't say, you know, when talking about the laboratory, that it was a deliberate, you know, when you were going off saying it's a conspiracy theory, right? Or, hey, remember when uh, Donald Trump had come out there and talked about how he was wiretapped, you know, and spied on? And then they came out and tried to say, no, 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 he wasn't wiretapped. He wasn't spied out. Now, wiretapping is an outdated term. You know, you don't actually wiretap a cell phone because there is no wire to tap. But you can, you know, listen in on the conversation, you know, um, through electronic surveillance. You know, so, you know, the terms uh, that are used. And then the left came out and said, that's like conspiracy theory. Well, now they come out you know, on March 31st, 2020, a follow-up audit because, you know, remember the inspector general did find that there was improper uh, surveillance and spying, you know, a follow-up audit, you know, and the New York Times reporting problems in FBI wiretap applications go beyond Trump AIDS surveillance review finds, you know, and then it goes on, you know, that the follow-up audit of unrelated cases by the Justice Department independent watchdog Michael E. Horowitz revealed a broader pattern of sloppiness, you know, and so this article tries to go off and say, no, 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 it wasn't, you know, politically motivated spying. It wasn't improper. It wasn't, you know, this conspiracy theory. It was a broader pattern. And Trump was just part of a broader pattern of, you know, sloppiness by the FBI in how they go about, you know, so apparently there's a broader pattern of the FBI going out and falsifying documents and changing documents in order to justify spying on people. But don't worry, it wasn't just focused on Trump. So it was not a conspiracy theory uh, that they were targeting Trump. It was part of a overall broader pattern of problems and abuses, you know, and the New York Times also comes out with another article, you know, um, that national uh, security wiretap system was long played by risk of errors in omission is the headline. Now that came out, you know, earlier on February 23rd. So it's part of this broader pattern. First, they demonize it as a conspiracy theory. Then they come out and say, well, no, it's not that he wasn't surveilled, but it wasn't politically motivated. It was a broader pattern, you know, in which he was one of many victims uh, in this problem. So it still wasn't a conspiracy theory. Or, you know, saying that the virus outbroke from a laboratory, that's a conspiracy theory. Oh, well, now they're saying, well, yeah, it may have broken out from a laboratory, but it wasn't intentional. You see how they go through and immediately try to say, you know, uh, this was a conspiracy theory. It is debunked. And then when they can no longer deny the evidence, you know, try to rewrite it and roll it out slowly to, you know, soften the blow so that they can manage the outrage and the narrative. So that you can, you know, go through and say, well, okay, it was just clumsiness. It wasn't a a conspiracy theory. It was just a bunch of idiots who were clumsy. That was the problem. You know, but they never go through and talk about what the actual point was. Was that the people that they were denounced as conspiracy theorists or theorists weren't people who were actually saying that this was intentional. We were saying, hey, it may have came from this laboratory whether by mistake or intentional is unknown, right? But the Democrats, you know, again, they see this as an opportunity to be able to enact their authoritarian agenda. You know, for instance, you know, there was a woman who was fined $200, $200 for driving alone 
you know, because it violated the stay at home order. And Ted Cruz came out and excoriated this action saying, Hey, we don't live in a police state. And by the way, driving alone in your car does not pose a public health risk. Right? And of course the uh, Democrats, you know, are trying to find a way to silence Republicans, you know, tried to, you know, get the FCC to request, you know, or request that the FCC investigate networks that air Trump's coronavirus briefings, trying to say this was like a, you know, campaign rally and that, you know, yada, 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 or misinformation. The FCC, of course, uh, did not take any action, you know, to investigate any of that. Why? Well, first of all, they go off and say, hey, we do not, you know, um, take action on the editorial decisions of news networks or journalists you know, um, or content providers, you know, on what they decide to air. And by the way, this is a presidential press briefing. Why wouldn't you air it? You know, so it's amazing. You know, they're trying to do everything they can uh, to try and enact censorship, downplay information, cover up. And then when they can't cover up anymore, try and slowly roll out, you know, a, a narrative that, you know, hints at the truth, but creates a narrative to soften the blow so that you don't fully understand the truth. All right, so that's it uh, for this episode. Thank you so much uh, for your time and attention. I greatly appreciate it. If you're a new listener, don't forget to hit subscribe, leave me a rating and review, and I will be back again soon.